I just want to continue on the theme that I've been talking about um, for the last few weeks on it's a time to build. God is building his house. And what I want to speak about today is about the holiness of God, but also who he's called us to be. And um, it's a tree, you know, is known by its, by its fruit. I want to read a, some scriptures to you and Luke chapter 6 and verse 43. For there is no good tree that produces rotten fruit, nor again does a rotten tree produce good fruit. Each tree comes to be known by its own fruit. For figs are not gleaned out of briars, neither are bunches of grapes gathered from thorn bushes. Out of the good treasure of his heart, the good man brings forth good. And out of the evil, the evil man brings forth evil. For from the overflow of the heart, his mouth speaks. And you know, in John chapter 15, and, and this is a special verse for me. This is one of my life verses. Because God came into a room when I was in a drug-infused haze, okay? Let me just put it that way, all right? And uh, I, was, I was a believer, and I'd been good. I'd been a good boy for a couple of years, but I just, I just, you know, that, that temptation, and so I was on a business trip, and I was stoned, I don't even know if that word is, does anybody even know what that word means anymore? But I remember, and I just, and I, and I was like, really? I was really. And, but I was crying out to the Lord. I said, Lord, what is this? What is this in me that I don't want it anymore? And he visited me in that room. He didn't condemn me. Yeah, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But he spoke these words, and he, he was in the room. His presence was something like I had never experienced before in my life. He says, I am the vine, John. And this is, I was reading, I just felt led. There was a, you know, there's a Gideon's Bible in, in the room. And I opened it up and John 15, I don't even know if I'd read it before. And I was reading and I came to this verse. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It wasn't a, a condemnation like, how could you do this? After I've saved you and cleaned you up and put your marriage back together, how could you do this? It wasn't that at all. It was the father saying, I'm the fine. Just stay in me. Abide in me. And that changed my life radically. That was in 1980. And I tell you what, that is just, it just, it totally changed my life. You know, we've also been talking about revival, and I've been praying for revival to hit our congregation, our city, our nation, because we need revival. We need more than revival. We need a revolution of Yeshua again, more than we even had 40, 50, 60 years ago. Revival is not just about manifestations, and, and I love the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I don't get them. Sometimes I don't understand it. I remember 
shortly, after, a few years after I got saved and I was my first missions trip and I went with my pastor. I've shared this before, but some of you haven't heard it. I went with my pastor on a missions trip, me and my best friend and my pastor, to Argentina. And there was this man named Carlos Anacondia who was preaching. It was powerful. But there was manifestations that I wasn't comfortable with. You know, there would be mass meetings and demons would scream out. People would come and take these people into a tent and they were delivered from demons. And there was all kinds of manifestations and some of them I didn't feel comfortable with. As a matter of fact, me and my pastor, my best friend, we were kind of talking about it in our hotel room and in our friend's house where we were saying, I don't feel comfortable with this. What is this falling under the power of the Holy Spirit? I don't get it. It ain't going to happen to me. Never going to happen to me. The next day we're in a, in a meeting and, and Carlos Anaconda is meeting with these Argentinian pastors. And we're the only non-Argentinians in there. And I don't speak a word of Spanish. My, my pastor spoke fluent Spanish, Spanish. Me and my friend, we didn't speak Spanish. And we're in the back of the room. And um, he was talking about the, the presence of the Holy Spirit so powerful on people that they would fall into the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we're just going there. That ain't going to happen. It's just, that's not, that's not how God works. See, I'm a very cerebral, left brain kind of person. Okay? And so, well, anyways, Carlos calls us up front. And he says, I just want to pray for you guys. Now, he didn't speak any English at the time. And so it's all through an interpreter. And so he says, I want to pray for you. Me, my pastor, my best friend. And we put out our hands like that. It's the last thing I remembered. And all three of us were on the floor. We don't know what, how long we were down there. We opened our eyes. We looked at each other. And we said, God, you are bigger than my fears. You are bigger than all of this stuff. God spoke some things that changed. This is another one of those life-changing moments for me. But revival is not just about manifestations. Although that's part of what God wants to do. It's more about being made to look like him. And that's why I want to talk about the holiness of God today. And I'm not talking about a religious holiness. I'm not talking about legalism because a lot of us know we've come out of legalism where you try to do everything just right to be perfect in our own strength, and then maybe we'll be accepted by God. For a lot of years, I lived that way. That's not what I'm talking about. That's called works-based righteousness. And you know what? God spits that out of his mouth. He doesn't, he, he just, that's not what he's calling for. He's calling for us to be like him. You know, God is holy. First Peter 1 Peter 1.16, it says, For it is written, Kadoshim, you shall be, for I am Kadosh. In other words, God is saying, I'm holy, and I'm calling you to holiness too. Many, we've heard that all of our lives as believers. And, and we probably think, you know, God, you probably made a mistake on that. You really don't expect me to be Kadosh to you, holy to you. But it's part of who he is. It's the very, the most essential part of who God is. You know, in Matthew chapter 
6, verse 9, and Yeshua is with his disciples, his Talmudim, and he's, and he's teaching them how to pray. And the first thing he says is, pray in this way. Our Father in heaven, sanctified be your name. Or may your name be kept holy. The first thing Yeshua says when he teaches us how to pray is, your name Father, be made holy. In other words, prove your holiness to us. That's the most essential part of his nature is holiness. It's his perfection that's above every other aspect of his character. Even his love, even his compassion, even his kindness. You see, when his glory manifests, those around the crown, they just can't help, around the throne, they can't help but cry, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. And we see evidences of that in the scripture. When Isaiah, in chapter 6, and we all know this, he's in the temple, and he has this, this, this massive presence of the Lord comes in, and he can't do anything, but he cries out. And he sees all these angels in the, in the temple. They're crying out to one another. One called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Adonai Tsevaot. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then because of that presence of the Lord, Isaiah had to, he said, God, I'm not worthy to be here. My mouth is not clean. The people that I serve, their, their mouths are not clean. And God says, he puts, a, he puts a coal in his mouth and cleans up his mouth. And I can identify with that. See, there's something about when God's holiness manifests, it changes us. It changes us. See, when it's, and we also see this in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. It says, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes all around and within. They do not rest day or night. This is, in, this is a picture of heaven. And the holy creatures are before the throne worshiping him. You think they would get tired of worship, worshiping him. But he, the holiness, just it just exudes that. It brings that out. They're, they're crying day and night. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Adonai Elohei Tsevaot. Asher hayah ve'yavo. We just sang that today. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts who was and who is and who is to come. His holiness is essential to his character. And he calls us to walk in holiness. You see, when we're in awe of his holiness, it will affect our worship. It will affect our lifestyle. It will change us. That's why we want to put such an emphasis on worship and being in his presence because Stu's messages, no matter how anointed and, and, and well-researched they are, they won't change you except for the Holy Spirit doing it in you. And I want that presence in I just want that presence more. And it will change our lifestyle. It will change everything about us. I remember in times of worship, and I had just been diagnosed with cancer. And I was 34 years old. And at one point, the doctor said, you have less than a 30% chance of survival for the next year. And I just remember being in a place of worship, and I started dancing into the Lord. And back in that day, I could dance. I was, and I just, I was out of it, man. I was just dancing, and I came out of that sensing, you know what, God, you said you were going to heal me, and you're going to do it. There was just something that changed within my 
the deepest part of who I am out of that place of just being in his presence and that place of, of worship. You see, that, that place of his, his holiness, it's resplendent beauty, kadosh. That's what it means, shining brilliantly in the person of Yeshua. You see, in Colossians 1.27, it says, Messiah in you is the hope of glory. And when we were singing that song this morning, I couldn't help but think, you know, it says, open up the windows and let the light shine. Open up the windows. Why? Because Yeshua is living and he wants us to open up the windows of our heart and let him out shine through us. You see, the result of his holy presence is the sanctification of us. You see, I don't think there's enough emphasis in the body of Messiah today, the whole area of, of holiness. Because, you see, we have this thing called greasy grace, where God loves us and accepts us, accepts us, even in our sin. And this is true. But the thing is, is God doesn't want us to stay there. Think about this. You know, in the Old Covenant, in the Torah, you know, there's the whole, the Mishkan, the tabernacle was set up. And there was a protocol in order to come into the presence of the Lord. The sacrificial, the sacrificial system and all of these, this was a protocol. And it wasn't just to do to, for uh, rituals, religious rituals. It was to Karov to draw closer to God because he wanted to be with his people. Because of, but because of his holiness, because of, his, of who his, his holy nature, we could only come in a certain way, holy before him. That's why all the sacrificial system was set up. And that's why Yeshua came so that we could be made holy to come into the presence of the Lord. It's not to, to put a bunch of rules into our lives. God wants to, to deal with the sin in our lives. And he has done, he has dealt with the sin in our lives. We clearly see that sin and flesh hinder his glory, hinder his holiness in our lives. And you know, most of us, they, we know sin in our lives. And you know, we, we try to work on them and, and we focus on not doing the sin that's entangled us for so many years. And yet what I find is that that's, that's the wrong focus when we focus on not sinning. But when we focus on who God is, I don't want to sin in his presence anymore. That's the process of holiness, sanctification, is when we're so immersed, enmeshed in him and his presence, I don't want to do the things that I did before. That's what holiness is all about. It's not a religious to do or to don't do. It's not a rule system. I remember when we first moved to Denver and I was, we were at a church in the city and, and I was introduced, it was the week that I was introduced, the first week we were here, and a gentleman who ended up being one of my best friends came up to me, we'd never met before until that day, and he says, man, you're the rabbi, I want you to teach me all 613 laws in the Torah. And I said, well, there's, I think there's 635. So we're like, is it 613 or 635? And I said, oh my gosh. I said, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that because I don't even know if I know all 
613 commandments. I'll have to ask Lee what the 613 commandments are. But all I knew was God called us here to create a place for his presence. And in that place of presence, I don't want to do anything that would cause a separation between me and him. And that's what holiness is all about. It's just desiring his presence so much more that I don't want to be in that place of sinning anymore. See, our obligation as a result of holiness is, is, is to live a holy life empowered by the Ruach HaKodesh. I'm going to talk about how to do that because it, right now it's probably just sounding like words to you. How do I live a holy life? How do I live a holy life? Well, we're going to talk about that. But you can't do it unless you're empowered by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. You just can't do it. And you see, we talk about grace. Well, I'm no longer under Torah. I'm no longer, which is not true. We are. We still, the Torah is still effect. And Yeshua came to interpret Torah correctly. That's what it's all about. It didn't end. It didn't end. And so many people today say, well, we're under grace. We're not under law. Actually, when we're under grace, there's more responsibility to live, to live a holy life, not less. You see, greasy grace says we're free to sin and indulge because God's love overlooks my behavior. There's a little bit of truth in there, but I don't want to stay in that place of sin. I don't want to stay in that place. See, that's a big lie. That's the big lie is grace is God just wants me to stay to be the way I am and it's okay. And we make excuses for our sin and God says no more. As a matter of fact, that's why all the shaking is going on in the last 18 months. It's because God is saying to us, he's saying to his bride, to his church, to his kehilah, no more. I'm wanting, I'm coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And so it's time for us to deal with this stuff. That's, all I'm, that's what I'm saying. And that's what the Word of God is saying. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. I just encourage you to read these, these scriptures, but in Romans chapter 6, Starting in verse 10, and there's so, it's so rich here, but I'll just read a couple of verses, 10 through 14. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So also continually count yourselves both dead to sin and alive to God and Messiah Yeshua. That's verse 11. That's Romans chapter 6, verse 11, and that is the first command in the book of Romans. The whole letter... And it comes in chapter 6, verse 11. Also continually count yourself both dead to sin and alive to God in Messiah Yeshua. Therefore, do not let sin rule in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not keep yielding your body parts to sin as tools of wickedness, but yield yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. Do you see yourself as alive from the dead? Do you see yourself as alive from the dead? You were dead and now you're alive. Before September 17th, 1979, I was dead in my sin. And then I came alive. Something changed. The old Adamic nature, my old man, I died out of that. 
And now I'm in a new covenantal relationship in Yeshua. Let me read that again. But yield yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your body parts as tools of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we do not owe anything to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the ruach, by the ruach, you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. For all who are led by the ruach Elohim, these are the sons of God. We are free to live in holiness because we are dead to sin. Sin is not my master any longer. And, but we have to reckon ourselves dead to sin. That's what verse 11 in chapter 6 says. Reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. It's not automatic. It, it involves being renewed, transformed in my thinking. I am a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm a new creation. I'm not the way I was before. Stop making excuses for our sinful fleshly behaviors. See, grace is not a license to sin, but it's empowerment to overcome sin and live in holiness. That's what grace is. It's the indwelling presence of God who allows me and enables me to be and to do all that he's commanded me to do. That's my definition of grace. Some will say it's God's riches at Christ's expense. And I don't have a problem with that, but I see grace in the person of Yeshua. He lives in me. This temple is the habitation for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He overcame sin through his body and through his death, through his resurrection, through his ascension. And guess what? I have the ability to overcome sin in my life too. So do you. Amen? You're being kind of quiet today. You see, we are living in the new covenant, okay? We make a big deal about saying we're new covenant believers, and, and we are. It's not just new, it's covenant. We emphasize the new thing, but we don't emphasize covenant. You see, we're called into covenant living. And you know anything about covenant? What are some aspects of covenant? Just just tell me, just yell them out from where you're at. Where are some aspects of covenant that you've learned? It's what? Promises. They're permanent. What else is involved in covenant? Blood. Something or somebody had to die in order for that covenant to be put into place. So Yeshua died, enabling for the new covenant to come. But guess what? We had to die too. And we're still in the dying process. I call it DTS. If you're a YWAMer, it means discipleship training school. But DTS in God's kingdom means dying to sin, dying to self. We're continually in that process. But you see, the old man had to die 
in order to come into this new covenant that we're called to live in. So I want to emphasize the covenant part of the new. You see, now there's an obligation, and there's always obligation in covenant. Covenant is about there's a, a greater and a lesser. There's usually a king and a less person. They come into agreement, covenant together. And it's unto death, in other words, too. But in that covenant, you agree to stipulations. There's obligations on both sides. Obligation for free will humans, that's us, who receive. You see, what do we get out of this new covenant? Man, we get salvation. We get healing. We get, we get the promise of eternity. We get the, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit enabling and living in us. But there's also obligation the obligation to live a holy life. Well, how are you going to live a holy life? How does that happen? You see, if you read Yeshua, he is interpreting Torah. In Matthew chapter 5 through 7, I really encourage you to read that this week. Matthew 5 through 7, it's known as the, the Sermon on the Mount. I call it Torah from the Mount because Yeshua basically explains and interprets correctly Torah and how we're to live. It's the most practical Passage of scripture, I think, of how to live. Call to righteousness. He's calling us to righteousness that is above the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the righteous ones. But in Matthew 5, 20, it says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and Torah scholars, you shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. And these were the guys who were to teach us how to live Torah. And yet, Yeshua is saying, unless your righteousness exceeds their righteousness. He says, and that's not my words, is they're his. Never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then Paul expounds on this. And I want to read these, these verses. And we're going to wrap things up in, with these verses, but I'm not done yet. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, we're going to read through chapter 5, verse 20. I want to read these Words And I want you to listen to these words that Paul says. And first of all, in Ephesians 4 and 5, what he's going to be sharing right now is sandwiched between the fivefold ministry where God sets aside, he calls the fivefold apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and how they were to, to build up the body until unity is achieved, okay? I believe we're still in that process. And then he finishes this, this exhortation right here talking about the family, husbands and wives, and, and how they're to relate to each other. So I think it's interesting where he places this. I'm going to start reading in, in chapter 4, verse 17 of Ephesians. So I tell you, indeed, I insist on it in the Lord. So he's, this is not a suggestion. Walk no longer as the pagans do, stumbling around in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance in them due to the hardness of their heart. Since they are past feeling, they have turned themselves over to indecency for the practice of every kind of immorality with greed for more. 
However, you did not learn Messiah in this way. If indeed you have heard him and were taught in him as the truth is in Yeshua with respect to your former lifestyle, you are to lay aside the old self corrupted by its deceitful desires be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So lay aside lying and each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger nor give the devil a foothold. The one who steals must steal no longer. Instead, he must work doing something useful with his own hands, so he may have something to share with the one who has need. Let no harmful word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for building others up, according to the need, so that it gives grace to those who hear it. Do not grieve the Ruach HaKodesh of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and quarreling and slander along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God and Messiah also forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love just as Messiah also loved us and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God for a fragrant, as a fragrant aroma. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed, don't even let these be mentioned among you as is proper for Kedoshim. Obscene, coarse, and stupid talk are also out of the place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Know for certain that no immoral, indecent, or greedy person who is really an idol worshiper at heart has any inheritance in the kingdom of Messiah and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, of God's, God's judgment comes on the children of a disobedience. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For once you were darkness, but now in union with the Lord, you are light. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the fruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is disgraceful, disgraceful even to mention the things that are done by them in secret. Yet everything exposed by the light is being made visible, for everything made visible is light. That is why it says, wake up, O sleeper. Isn't that interesting? We were singing these songs today. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Messiah will shine on you. So pay, co pay close attention to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. Make the most of your time, because the days are evil. For this reason, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And do not get drunk on wine, for that is recklessness. Instead, be filled with the Ruach, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. This is a holy walk of life. This is what we are called to live in. And as Paul said at the very beginning, this is not just a suggestion. He said, this is, this, is, this is a commandment. This is, how we're, this is how we're to live. Specific commands. And I want to go over 17 of them. And I've asked Mike if he would put them on slides so that maybe you can write them down. And this is not even all that's mentioned in here. But I just want to, to talk about all of these that, that did, that this, this will help us in our, in, our, in our walk with the Lord. 
Number one, it says renewed in the spirit of mind. Talking about being transformed from the worldly mindsets and attitudes that we all had. Hey, look, the first time I, I voted for president, I was 19 years old, I was an unbeliever, and I voted for George McGovern. Okay? Most of you are like, who is he? See, I used to think a certain way about things, okay? But as I grow in the Lord and as I study his word and I see what his kingdom principles are all about, I change how I think about things. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind so that we can discern God's direction and leading in our lives. And being in the word, you cannot not be in the word. It's impossible to live in this evil world without being immersed in the word. Secondly, put on the new self. And he says this several times. Continue. It's a continual process of putting on, putting on, and taking off. You know, how many of us remember you, you heard a teaching on spiritual warfare out of Ephesians chapter 6. And it says, put on your spiritual armor. And you said, man, I'm going to do this every day. And for the next week, you did that religiously every day. And then you stopped doing that. And yet, God says to continually to put on the new self. It's a putting on his nature, growing in our understanding and knowing of who he is and consecrating ourselves to him, putting on the new self. And it says, lay aside lying. Even white lies are fudging the truth a little bit. Hey, we live in a world surrounded by a media that speaks lies day in and day out, 24-7. We are being bombarded by lies, guys. And we cannot be those people who just go along with it. We need to, the other side of, of that is to speak truth, but speak it in such a way that is out of love, a heart of love and compassion. We speak love to one another. We speak truth to one another because we are intimately connected to one another. Number five, in anger, do not sin. It doesn't say sin is anger. Y'all know that. Because all of us would fall short in that area for sure. You will, not me, you guys. No. It says in anger, deal with that anger. Anger is like the warning light on your dashboard that says, check engine, check engine, check engine. It's like something needs to be checked. Something needs to be filled up. You need to deal with this. Because if we don't deal with the anger, then the enemy has a foothold. So deal with the anger. And it says in another place about dealing with it before the sun goes down. Now, I think that's the best way to do it, but I'm, sometimes it's not possible. Basically, what I'm saying is deal with it as soon as you can. How many like to walk around angry? You know, well, I'm just, I'm angry, but it's a righteous anger. Well, yeah, but it's still angry. And how does it make you feel inside? Well, not real good, but it's righteous anger. Well, then deal with that. What is causing that anger? And go to the root and deal with that as quickly as possible. And then it says stop stealing and work. You know, there was, I guess there were some issues in the church in Ephesus. They were, some were stealing and refusing to work. And God says, stop doing that. See, that is a practical thing. If you are a thief, stop being a thief and go to work. That's about as simple. I don't even have to ex expound on that. Number seven, 
Let no harmful word come from your, from your mouth. How many of us know that, man, we can speak all kinds of words, and words have the power of life and death? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I was almost going to say something. Not true. I'll just say not true. That is not true. Words bring death or they bring life. Let no harmful word come from the mouth. Words will bring curses or blessings, life or death. Number eight, speak only that which is beneficial. What does that mean? What will meet the need that is presented? When somebody says something, you know, Ask the Lord, how am I to respond to that? What is beneficial? What will meet the need? Not just tickle the ear or make somebody or flatter somebody, but what will meet the need that is presented? Does that make sense? Number nine, don't grieve the spirit. Don't grieve the ruach. When Stu and Lou and Pastor Dan were in Argentina, we were sitting back there judging, saying, you know what? I don't like this, what's going on here. And, um, you know, I didn't see I was grieving the Ruach, but I, I was. Because there was a move that I was happening. And I wasn't part of it. And God soon made me part of that. We are quick to judge things we do not understand. And yet God is saying, I'm doing a new thing in your midst. And I'm not saying every manifestation is from God. But be careful about grieving the Ruach. And I think when we judge manifestations because we don't understand it, we can tend to go into grieving the Holy Spirit. And I believe there are entire congregations and churches today that exist. And people come to them, but they've grieved the Spirit so much the Spirit is gone. They're not, even, they're not even walking into things of the Spirit anymore. Go to the Lord when you see something and you don't understand. God, I don't understand that. What is this? Explain this to me. You see, when we grieve the Spirit, we shut down what God is doing. Number 10, rid self of bitterness, rage, anger, quarreling, and slander. Bitterness is, is when you've Undealt with unforgiveness, it becomes a bitter root that defiles many. Rage is, is beyond anger. Rage is out of control stuff. Quarreling and slander. These will kill a community. They will. The little foxes that spoil the vine. People speak behind other people's backs in the name of, oh, a concern for prayer. But you know what I'm talking about. Number 11, be kind. Not just to the folks here. It's easy to be kind to people you love. And I, and I wrestle with this. See, let me just share this with you. You know, I've been hearing a lot of talk about how um, they're going to, and this is just me, okay? They're going to reinstitute masks 
again, okay? And I'm inside going, no, they're not. I am not going to wear a mask. And, and then they're also talking about having people come to your door to ask if you've been vaccinated. You've heard that, right? You haven't heard that? And I'm thinking, if that guy comes to my, I know what I'm going to say. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And I'm waiting for that knock on the door so that I can give him. But no, we're called to be kind to one another. When you're at the restaurant, and this is, I know, this is, this is down, you know, you're at the restaurant, you order your food, and they bring the food, and it's all wrong. Everything's wrong. And you just, there's something inside of you. I come from a Jewish family. I know what it's like to go out to eat with Jewish people, okay? I'm serious. I'm, I can be real with my own, you know, it's like, I didn't order that. And my mom, and I love my mom, but she always, water with no ice, okay? She wanted water, but no ice, okay? And so they would bring water with ice. And my mom was not kind in how she responded to the person sometimes. I said, no ice. Guys, be kind in what we say and how we say it to people. And you might think, well, I'll never see this person again. You don't know. Just be kind. Were you going to say something? No. Number 12, forgive each other. This is huge, guys. What? What's that, Patricia? Oh, there are more. Yeah, just I'm giving you an opportunity to write these down if you want. Oh, this, and by the way, I haven't listed them all. I haven't listed them all. Forgiving each other. This is one of the greatest hindrances to spiritual growth is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness means you cancel the debt. That person that did that to you no longer owes you anything any longer. It's not conditional. Well, I'll only forgive them if they stop doing this or if they start doing this. That's not forgiveness. That's not true biblical forgiveness. It's a financial transaction that says I cancel the debt that you owe me. You no longer owe me anything. No conditions. And, another, and then we'll take it a step further. Forgiveness is when you're able to bless that person. That doesn't mean they're back in your life again. They may not even be, it may not even be possible for that person to be back in your life. They may have died or they may have moved out of the area. Or you may have moved out of the area. But you bless and you accept that person for being the person who they are. Let God do the changing. Forgiveness. Forgive each other. Number 13, avoid immorality and stupid talk. I just shortened it. Okay, and I know that was one of the things when the Lord got a hold of my life in 1979. And I was a, I was a sailor, so I learned how to speak like a sailor would. You don't know what a sailor talks like unless you've been in the Navy. No demonstration. But God had to clean. That was one of the first things that God had to clean up in my mind. Avoid obscene, immoral, stupid talk. You know, coarse joking. Coarse joking a lot of times reveals what that person is hooked into. Maybe they're into pornography or obscene language or joking shouldn't have, shouldn't be any part of who we are as believers. Number 14, let no one deceive you. This is huge, guys. Yeshua said in Matthew 24, 
He's, you know, they asked his disciples, what's going to happen? What's going to be the sign of the end days? And he said, do not be deceived. Do not let anyone deceive you. How do you not be deceived? Any ideas how you not be deceived? Joyce. Know the word. So in and out that you're so familiar with the word. It's like the, the counterfeit, you know, a bank teller. They're studying, you know, how to know counterfeit. You know it by what the truth is. God is calling us to know the word, know the truth, Yeshua and his word. And when we are so immersed in that, we'll know when deception comes to our face. We will know that. And we'll say, I'm not going to fall for that. And guys... This is huge because we're living in a day where up is down, down is up, black is white, white is black. Everything is upside down, okay? And so if you hear a narrative so long, somehow you begin to accept it. Don't accept deception at all. This is a day that many people are being deceived. Know the word, know the truth. Be in the word. Study the word. Number 15, don't partner with disobedient people. People who you know cannot be trusted. Don't come into an agreement with them. Number 16, speak to one another. This is, I love this. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What in that word? What does that mean? Does it mean come to I love you in the name of the Lord? It may. It may. But what does that what does that mean to speak to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Encourage. And it could be to sing a song over somebody or to read a psalm over somebody. Words of encouragement. We are called to be salt and light. What does salt do? It seasons. It's seasons. We should be people who are out seasoning other people all the time. We're almost done. Now, there's more in this passage of Scripture. I really encourage you to go through Ephesians 4 and 5. But always give thanks. Always give thanks. It's not necessarily, you know, rejoicing in your situation, your circumstance. But give thanks because of who you are and who's in you. Paul was able to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice when he was in a Philippian cell. He was able to do that. Always give thanks. I was talking with somebody recently, not too long ago. And um, a lot of issues in their lives. And, and we, we've prayed a lot and a lot of ministry. And I just said, tell me something you're thankful for. And they started recounting things. And pretty soon they're sending me emails of things that they're thankful for. And I said, that's, that's great. You see, when we start focusing on the things that we're thankful for, that doesn't mean the problems necessarily go away, but it puts them into perspective. Perspective. Amen? Stand with me. You've been sitting for a while. We're, we're wrapping things up here. Bottom line... Pay attention to how we walk. A walk of holiness is not a walk of legalism. It's a walk of being obedient and faithful and consecrated to the one who calls us. 
when we are paying attention to how we walk, people are watching us. If you claim to be a Messianic Jewish believer or a Christian, people will say, I don't even know what that means, but I'm going to look at your life. If your life is no different than their life, then they're going to say, well, what is that? It means nothing to me. But if there's something different about your life, people will be attracted to that. Pay attention to how we walk because Paul says it a couple of times, the days are evil. The days were evil 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote that. The days are evil today. Can I get an amen out of that? You see, we need to present ourselves as an alternative to darkness and ungodliness that is all around us. How we speak to one another in public, how we speak to one another on Facebook, in our emails. Oh, but I, it, there's an, a certain amount of anonymity. People don't really know who I am, so I can say whatever I want. Oh, believe me, they will figure it out. They will figure it out. I use this term all the time, move in the opposite spirit. If somebody comes at you in anger, you diffuse the situation by walk in the peacefulness. Be that peacemaker in that situation. I always reminded of this is that years ago, Millie was working, she worked at the unemployment office. And this was at a time when unemployment was like 15, 20%. And so when you lose a job, it's a stressful time. They put Millie at the very front desk. The first person that they would see in the unemployment office was Millie. And they're usually, people tended to be angry and depressed and discouraged. And, um, and then they were presented with Millie's smiling face and who would say, if you just wait, we'll have somebody come and talk in a very gentle way. That's moving in the opposite spirit of what comes at you. God calls us to live that way. I want to pray a prayer over you. God is saying, I want you to consecrate your lives to me. This is a season of consecration. Consecration is when we're moving out of the way we were. I think I ought to make a movie with that title, I think, The Way We Were. Do you think? <laughs> to be consecrated, to look like him. And I just want to pray this over us as we close. Father, in the name of Yeshua, you say, be holy because I'm holy. And I used to read that and think, no way. You made a mistake. I don't think that's what you mean. But the more I fall in love with you and the more that we fall in love with you, the more that we desire to be with you where you're at, to be in your presence, to desire your presence, to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Father, that's where we become holy. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us would consecrate ourselves over these next days and say, Lord, I belong to you. And, and I just feel like we're to say that on the count of three that I belong to you. One, two, I belong to you. Father, we declare we are yours. You're our Father, you're our God, and we are your children. Lord, we belong to you. And Father, I pray in this evil generation, in this evil generation, Lord God, we will look like you and smell like you. And we will speak like you. 
we will behave the way you did. In Yeshua, we know that you were not understood. You were lied about. You were betrayed. You were murdered. You were crucified. But you were faithful to who you were. And I pray that each and every one of us would be faithful to the calling that we all have as Kedushim, holy ones of God. That we are consecrated to you. And Lord, we ask that you will live and move and have your being in and through us in these days. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen.